Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water he had be- that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the, servant, the steward called for the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests had become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cain of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated and invite our children up. When I was in high school, I was, I was pretty nerdy. Actually, I was really, really nerdy. That's an understatement. I was, oh, I don't know what happened to me. I was the editor of the school paper. I was a manager of the cross-country team, mainly because the newspaper advisor was also the cross-country team coach, so he made me come. I played tennis very poorly. I actually discovered later in life that my, my skills in tennis were much better than uh, racquetball, because then you can actually hit the ball as hard as you want, and you don't have to go chase it down the field. I also worked on the yearbook. I ate my lunch in the library or in another teacher's classroom because I didn't feel comfortable down in the cafeteria with my other classmates. But one thing I was very certain, or at least I thought I was very certain, is throughout high school I knew I did not want to be a pastor. That was something I was very confident about. And actually, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life when I finished high school. I, um, I remember this called a mild... Uh, panic attack of sorts, freak out in the guidance counselor's office where she had to call my parents to have a, a counseling session with all of us, talk about life after high school and how I, I didn't need to have it all figured out. But after four years, I felt very lost and uncertain that moment. I wasn't even sure I, what I wanted to take up in college or where I wanted to go to college or if college was even for me. At one point in high school, I remember I did want to be a teacher. That was something I thought I wanted to do. And, and I looked at different teaching programs in Maryland and Pennsylvania, and I found this wonderful little college up in Pennsylvania called Delaware Valley. It's an agricultural school, but they were trying to start a teaching program and try to get off the ground, so they were offering lots of scholarships to anybody and everybody who wanted to come and start their program there. And I was planning to go there the fall after I graduated, but after some soul-searching, I decided teaching wasn't for me. And Del Val was a private school. It was expensive. It was more than, more than Towson University, more than Catonsville Community College. It was 13 grand a year after scholarships. And my parents, my dad in particular, had a hard time sending me to a school 
to take classes my first years that I could take at the community college for two grand a year. And I knew he was right. When you're 18 years old, you think that your parents are always wrong. And, but looking back, quite frankly, my heart was no longer in wanting to go to Del Val. And this was not a popular decision that many of my teachers had. They thought I should go regardless and figure it out as I went along. But it just didn't seem right. I often say that I didn't start thinking about a vocation in ministry till my sophomore year in college. And when I had this, when I came to this realization, I, I didn't have one of those mountaintop experiences that some of my classmates had in seminary. Everything just kind of led me to ministry. I just kind of fell into it. At least that's what I thought. A few years ago, I'm having, having dinner with my friend Brian from high school. And, and Brian and I were good friends in high school. He was equally as nerdy as I was, but he was way, more, he was way smarter than I was. So, um, and I, I was talking to Brian, and I told him, told him about, you know, at the end of high school, I, was, I really felt lost and, and was scared because I didn't know what the future held. And, and, he, and he chuckled, and he says, well, we all knew you were going to be a pastor since ninth grade. He might have laughed, but he was serious. And I remember looking at him in the restaurant and saying, well, when were you all going to tell me? I mean, for years, I truly believed that my calling to ministry happened when I was 20 years old, sophomore in college at Towson University. But unbeknownst to me, God had been working something in me for many years before I ever knew. Yet I wish someone would have told me. I wish, someone would have, I, wish I would have had a Mary come up to me and say, look, you got these gifts. Because that's exactly what she does for her son. She knows her son is destined to do great and wonderful things for his people and for our world. Things that she cannot even begin to fathom in her mind. She knows her son is different. She knows he is holy, that he's sent from up above. Yet, as they sit at this banquet, they sit at this wedding, he refuses to move. He refuses to do anything. And there are a whole bunch of theological reasons as to why he is reluctant. That is a... We'll come back to those in a couple years when we get this text again. Mary, though, doesn't stop pushing her son the whole time. She doesn't allow him to sit at the table while the couple's dignity is about to be washed down the drain. Mary knows her son can do something. She might not know what that something is, but she knows he can do something. And so she tells the servants to do whatever he tells them to do. She makes sure that others will trust her son. She goes out of her way to make sure her son has everything he needs to pull off a miracle. His first miracle. Jesus might not have been ready. But Mary knew that he could handle it. She knew that Jesus was sent to this world for a reason. And that it was time for her son to come out of the shadows. To come out of hiding and do what God had placed him on this world to do. Mary is very much the unsung hero of this first miracle. And as I look at the church, and by church I mean the whole church, and see so many of our pastors retiring and so few people entering the ministry, I'm, I'm here to say that we need to start acting more like Mary. We all need to start seeking out individuals who have gifts for ministry and encourage them to consider serving as a leader in the church. And I'm not advocating that we all be pastors. That would be crazy. But we, we also need good leaders at home, in our congregation. We need people who have new ideas for how to do ministry in the 21st century. And we need more Marys to find these up-and-coming leaders. 
And these new leaders, they don't have to be young. They don't have to be like Danica and Jordan's and Megan's age. They don't, you don't need to be confirmation age. We don't subscribe to the notion that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. We need more believers in the pews who are not afraid, who will not stay silent, who will go up to others and say, you got these gifts and we need you, regardless of your age, your ethnicity, or your race. It is fitting, it's very fitting to have these readings today. On the same weekend, we as a nation remember the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. People saw the potential in this young minister when he came to Atlanta. They saw he had a different spirit, that he was humble, that he was also a fighter. That he was willing to do whatever it took to bring about a new day for our nation. But none of that would have happened if someone didn't tell Dr. Martin Luther King that he had these gifts he should lead this movement. Something I tell my son every single night before he goes to bed, the world is a better place because you're in it. And he always smiles at me, and sometimes he acts like he's embarrassed. I'm not really sure if he even understands what I'm saying. My favorite is when he, like, he smiles at me, and then he pushes my face away, acting all embarrassed. It's really cute. And I've been saying this message to Thomas for quite a while now, and I'm not sure he knows what it means, but I hope that subconsciously he remembers those words when he is in high school, unsure of his future. I hope he remembers these words every day of his life, and he doesn't just sit at the table, but that he stands up. I hope he remembers these simple words in whatever vocation he finds himself doing, because the world is a better place because he's in it. And he knows some of my brothers and sisters, the world is a better place because of each of you, because each of you are in it. The great creator of the universe, who created something good out of nothing, looked at the world and said, the world needs you. That is extraordinary, and we need role models in our congregation to preach that message to everyone. Not just our young people, but everyone. I had some really great role models growing up. People who inspired me and told me that the world was better because I was in it. And we need more of these kinds of role models. We need more men and women like to be like Mary. So take the time. Take the time to notice the, the person sitting next to you this day. Sitting in front of you, sitting behind you, and pull Mary. Offer encouragement, offer prayer, and, and do not be afraid if they bite a little like Jesus. Sometimes we aren't always ready to hear the message. You know, maybe people did try to tell me in high school that I was destined to stand in a pulpit one day to be a pastor. And maybe I didn't want to listen, but, but that didn't stop people from nudging me along. That didn't stop people from seeing something in me. So be bold like Mary. Be willing to accept your calling like Jesus did. And do not be afraid. God is doing something new, something incredible, something holy in your life. And your uniqueness is what we need this day.